Tatahi Ki Tatahi series, which is our One Another series. Um, and this morning we're going to be looking at um, Scripture's invitation or command to be hospitable and welcoming um, to one another. Before I do that, I just wanted to um, kind of really publicly um, thank Sherilyn Cotton last week for doing an absolutely phenomenal job at um, Do Not Grumble and Complain. <laughs> Calm down, everyone. That's Vineyard's way of responding to a phenomenal best ever sort of like. Now, I just, I really did want to just say um, thank you. It really was. If you weren't here, um, please have a listen online um, to, to the message because it was, it was recorded. We had trouble a couple of weeks ago, but, but that one was. But I, I just wanted to actually take a moment to speak into a little bit more of, for me personally, I, I was sort of sitting there and I always, yeah, you just, I'm sure many of you know what it's like when someone's sharing and it's kind of like, oh, you're, they're just sort of speaking the things that you're thinking or the heart that you're talking about. And Sherilyn was particularly speaking about those with grumbling and complaining around where, where you can fall into that um, trap of like sort of complaining about God and like whatever it is that's going on. And it was just like, oh my gosh, were you like hiding out in the bushes at my house or what? It was sort of just felt so, um, so, so for, for me and, and for others in the room. And then if you weren't there, as has been our, our custom and what we try to do um, most Sundays is there was an invitation for, that Sherilyn gave to really believe that, you know, that, that um, for people to respond in, in some way to the message and, and then in doing, in responding, then invite the Holy Spirit to minister, to change, to, change, to shift. And, and as Sherilyn was sharing a little bit, one of the invitations for ministry, it was just like, oh my goodness, like that, that I've, got to, I've got to stand up. And then, of course, the, the internal narrative is, you can't stand up, you're in charge. Like, who's going to be looking out for how things are going? When, you know? And then it was immediately like, I've been around the block enough to know that, oh, when that voice comes, then I'm definitely doing the exact opposite of what it's telling me I can't do or doing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, but it was like, oh, you can't, there's no way you can stand up. So, so I stood up. Um, and eventually, which felt like forever, someone came and prayed with me and for me. A little bit of a dig. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but maybe the timing was just right. But the person that, that came and prayed for me, just again, it was, it was as though the Holy Spirit was standing alongside me. And so I wanted to share that. And then I guess what I'd like to carry on with was at the, in the time it felt like, oh, I'm really glad I responded. And I think something has, has happened. And then as, as the week went on, there was a couple of, I'll, I'll just say what it was, was I have really found the rain. I mean, this sounds silly, but for me, it became really big. The rain really, really triggering. And every time it rained, I seemed to get angry and complain at God. Like, like again, like how much, you know, sort of, this is what I used to say, but like, 
come on, give us a break. Like, have you not seen? And, and all my complaining was, just, was directed at him, about him, not bringing, as Sherilyn invited us into, bringing those things before him. And so I think it was Monday, believe it, it rained. And instead of what was, I felt an overwhelming gratitude of, oh my goodness, there are places in the world that if they saw that shower coming from heaven, they would be overwhelmed with gratitude. And it's been like that all week, every time it has rained. And it's rained a few times already, you know, like um, every, something has broken, something has shifted, and I reflect more of Jesus today than I did last week because of that invitation to, to respond to Jesus. So as we continue to do it, and then I just got to thinking, isn't that why we're here? Like, isn't that why? I'm pretty sure that's why the team, without maybe knowing it, but, but it's why we do what we do. It's why we come early and set up chairs. It's why we put out cups and cut up bread. It's why these guys practice every week. It's why the sound desk comes really early and Paul lifts up heavy speakers and stuff and and does. We do all that we do because where else are we, where else do we get to be part of an environment that is curated and set up to, to, to remove every obstacle that, that, faces us, that we can encounter the living and loving God, we can respond to him, and we can actually be changed. Like the stuff that we carry can actually be broken off of us, and we can walk in a freedom and a more Christ-like way, not because we've tried harder, not because we've just been less bad, but it's because we've been in an environment where we've said yes to the Holy Spirit, and he said yes to us. And people like Sherilyn, and people like all of the people give of their time, give of their energy, share of their gifts and their talents, and we all are benefits of it. It has nothing to do with hospitality whatsoever. But I just wanted to to remind us, that's why we're here. And if I throw my salesman hat into it, it's why we are looking for a home. It's so that, that there's those environments, we curate those environments and those places so that it isn't just for, I mean, it's wonderful for a couple hours on a Sunday morning, but how much more for our, in our own home where day in, day out, morning till night, there's environments that are created that people can come and encounter a God who loves them more than they could ever hope or imagine. So this morning, we are looking at um, hospitality. So if you have your Bible or a device with a Bible on it, let's turn to John, um, John 13. Or, or you can just close your eyes, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read a, first, a couple of verses. We're going to go through to 17, and I might just paraphrase in the middle, or I might just read the whole thing. As we look at hospitality, just before I do that, there is, um, there is a fantastic book and a resource that I just highly, highly recommend to get to the very deeper part of, because I know when I say hospitality, um, how many people are thinking food? 
Oh, you lie. You all lie. You're, come on. How many people are thinking food? All right, there we go. That's closer. Um, you know, like dinner parties, evenings, nice table, all of that. Hospitality is so, so, so much more than, than that. Um, and so there is a fantastic book. It's called The Gospel Comes with House Keys. And then the little byline is Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. It's written by a woman called Rosaria Butterfield. I would highly, highly recommend it. She is an, has an incredible story herself. Um, but, but really, if, if anything about this morning sort of sparks your interest, um, would be a well worth a read um, of, of her and listening to her story. So John, John 13, um, 1 through 17 is what I'm going to read. I've, I'm, I'm at the stage now that I need reading glasses. So just to put that off in public, I've got nice big words just to give myself another, eke out another year or two at least um, of having to wear reading glasses in public. All right. So um, John 13, and this is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and he now loved them till the very end. It was time for, it was time for the supper And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, and he took off his robe, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus saw um, Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you're not going to wash, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter exclaimed, as Simon Peter always does, you know, it goes way over the top. I love him in scripture. When you, then, then don't just wash my, my feet, wash my hands and my head as well. Um, not just my feet, he said. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need, does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. You are my disciples, and you are clean, um, but not all of you. And Jesus knew that, um, I'll sort of paraphrase, he knew that, um, that Judas was going to betray him. That's why he said that. After he washed their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down. Do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And I tell you the truth. 
Slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the the one who sent him. Now Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I always, I always remember I, I was brought up in um, the Mennonite tradition of, of um, the Christian faith. And I think it was once a year they would, we would actually do foot washing services. And my, in, my indelible memory of it, it was a very large church, was this, um, this procession on, a, on the Sunday morning when you would do it of all of the um, like deacons would, would kind of like march down, they weren't marching, but, you know, come down the aisle, all holding these, these incredibly, yeah, beautiful basins, and we just spread out and do foot washing and stuff. Um, and, but, but the thing I always remember about it was my mom always being super concerned about what her um, pantyhose didn't have any holes in the toes on foot washing Sunday, because she didn't, or and we all had to make sure we had no holes in our socks for those Sundays, because, you know, it was going to be all, all a big deal. But so, so re- I don't know why I told that story. Um, actually, we're going to wash each other's feet right now. Yeah, look at the dread. No. But wouldn't it be kind of cool? Uh, no, not so much. Without actually ever saying the word, this is a story of hospitality, of the depth of what hospitality really is. Um, Jesus' mission as it were, on earth, in his ministry, was to what? To proclaim the good news of the gospel, that the kingdom of God has come, eh? I'm sure someone said that. But so if if that was his mission, to pronounce that the kingdom of God is coming, All of the things he said, all of the things he did, they were all examples of this is what the kingdom of God is like. When God's kingdom comes, this is what the world is going to be like. Like all and so but if if that was his mission, his his methodology or the way he did it, the way he communicated those things, hospitality or the table was almost without exception his method of choice. Think about it when you read how many times Jesus was sitting at someone around a table. How many times did Jesus, whether it's um, cooking fish on the beach on a barbecue, whether it's inviting himself to um, a, someone's house for dinner, you know, Jesus modeled hospitality and he was absolutely poor and broke and homeless. So, what's our excuse? So obviously we don't understand to a depth what he's inviting us more than that, commanding us into when we think of hospitality. Because if he could do it, and he had no money, and he had no home, that means there's something more to it than what we, than what we understand. The thing that I've sort of noticed as I've followed Jesus now for, for quite some time is whenever we have a practice or, or a way of that, that Jesus invites us into, like this of hospitality, there are always 
especially in the ones that are most important, there are always really, really clever counterfeits that the world puts up. And so when we think of, of the love that God invites us into, we have a, the counterfeit of lust. When we think of, of um, this, this um, invitation or this lifestyle of hospitality, we have the counterfeit of our world, which is entertainment. And I just want to take a couple of minutes to sort of separate the two out. When we think of hospitality, when, when we embrace a lifestyle of hospitality, it is a lifestyle of inclusion. It is an open table. But the, the counterfeit that we're often presented with is exclusion. Entertainment is in, in by invitation only. When we think of hospitality, we are, we are invited into a lifestyle of service. That, that hospitality or the open table is a place of service to those who are, who are around the table. It is a tangible expression of love, especially, as Scripture says, for those who are, who are poor and needy, the widows and the orphans, which is Scripture's way of saying, the, the, you know, the, those who can never repay. And yet our counterfeit of, of entertainment is, is an environment not of service, but of performance. It is about putting your best on show. It's about hiding everything else away. You know, putting the, putting the nice china out, not the plastic chipped plates or whatever, or whatever you've got. It's putting all of the best on show and hiding everything else away. It's the, it's the exact opposite of what Jesus demonstrated for us. That's why Jesus was, that, 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 the washing of, our, of their feet, you've got to think about, in a, we're, we've all got beautifully clean feet, I hope, I think, um, under, our, under our shoes and our socks or whatever. But you're talking about a first century environment where there is no pavement, there is no concrete, it's dirty, it's dusty, and, they, and they're wearing open-toed open shoes or sandals at best, if not barefoot. Hospitality goes to the very dirtiest, most part of us that we want to hide away. Not, not our best, not our best on show. Hospitality has blurred lines. What I mean by that is, is the the giving and receiving of our roles, when we embrace this hospitality or this lifestyle of hospitality, it is, it is the blurred lines of serving one another, of being there for one another. In, in, in entertainment, there are very clear boundaries of host and guest and requirements for both. Hospitality, as I say, is, is the, an invitation of a way of living. Entertainment is, is often sporadic. It's about an event or, or um, something to, to have for a moment in time. Hospitality is, at its very nature, generosity personified. It is about pouring out, about giving out, especially to those who could never repay 
That's what we're being invited into. Whereas entertainment, there's often a reciprocity in that, which is, I invite you to have you over and put on the best meal and show you my best, and then you invite me to your house and you do our meal and we do our best. And, 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 and it's that reciprocal, I invite you, or, and then you invite me, back and forth. And yet the generosity of hospitality is, we invite even though we may never ever get an invite back. You know, or we give even though we may not ever on this side of eternity see the response of our gift to that person or to those people. And yet we give and yet we give and we give and we give. Because that's what hospitality is. That's what Jesus has invited. That's what we see in that scripture. Wrap your heads around the moment when Jesus knelt down at Judas's dirty feet and just like all of the other disciples, he washed it with the same love at his feet that he did, say, Peter or those other disciples who would go on to give their life for the, for the church. Jesus' response to Judas was no different. He washed the dirt off of his feet just the same. And finally, hospitality is, is, is the justice of the kingdom of God. That, that, that the hospitality that Jesus is inviting us into is, is justice for those who, who cannot see justice on their own. It's a voice to those who do not have a voice. Entertainment, on the other hand, is often about moving up the social ladder. You know, we invite those who have something we want, or, or it's a, a networking scheme to, for us to try to achieve something we want to do. Don't hear me that, that like, there's, there's nothing wrong with having a great dinner party. Like, I've done, I love doing it myself. It's just that's not the hospitality that Jesus is inviting us into. It's okay to play with fake money. Just remind, make sure you know it's not real. Do you know what I'm saying there? Like, it's like the entertainment side of it. It's all, it's all wonderful to be able to put out your best and do what, do what you're going to do. But, but make sure you're in, your definition of hospitality is a lot broader than that. You know, thinking back to the passage that we just read, Jesus, Jesus is still inviting us as his followers to the table. That we, that we can remind ourselves that Jesus' invitation to come and to break bread with us is still there. That the bread and the cup are symbols of Jesus' hospitality. I'd love it if we had a, a tradition that actually expanded our, our view of, of the table a lot more than it does. But this is what we've got for now, and it'll serve as a picture. But, but, but I'd love for us to have, you know, imagine a table filled with the most incredible food, like with all kinds, of, and, and us sitting all around it. 
not just sort of looking at it and coming up and getting something and going, sitting back down. But that is, that is a symbol that we can remind ourselves of the hospitality that Jesus has for us. And there is a truth that, that one day we will share this meal, we will share our meal with Jesus face to face. That is the hope that we have as followers of Jesus. Matthew 26 says, At the Last Supper, Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it with you face to face in my Father's kingdom. Why? Because the Lord Almighty is preparing a feast. When? It's when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness and all is put to right. That's the hope that we have. And in the meantime, we are invited to outwork the hospitality of his kingdom with one another, but mostly with the one another's that are out there. Like, I'm, I'm so aware that as I, was, as I was sort of preparing for this morning, 2020, I think, we did eight weeks of, of, of hospitality, of eating and drinking with one another. There is so much more that we could say around it, and there's such a depth to what Jesus is inviting us into and commanding us into when we think of hospitality more than just food and drink. But this morning, I felt there is no better reminder for us to think about hospitality than to think about this table. To think about what Jesus has done for us, not so much what he's done, but why he did it. That as, as best we can, we can sort of put ourselves, imagine ourselves in the picture that Jesus is here with us and he's, and he's pouring out his hospitality on all of us. So that we then can go out and pour out his hospitality on those around us. Not not just those who have something we need or something we want. But those who can never repay us. Revelation 19 says, On that day God's people will shout, Hallelujah! For the Lord Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him all of the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's a picture of all throughout Scripture is God's kingdom is so often about the table. And every time it is about a table that is open. It is about an invitation that is wide-reaching. You think about what's the, what is the, the harshest criticism labeled toward Jesus or the most often criticism labeled toward Jesus by those sort of religious people of the day, of his day. He was glutton. How do you get the reputation of being a glutton? You're around a table a lot. And you're not picking up a little piece of bread. What else? A drunkard. Exactly. How do you get a reputation for being a drunkard? 
Not by drinking water all the time, is it? First century, water was probably more dangerous than anything else you could drink, but... And then why, why though? Who was around the table? Sinners. Isn't that it? Like, how could this be? Look who he drinks with. Look who he eats with. Look who comes to the table. Prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners. Over and over and over again. That's the criticism that's labeled against Jesus, is that his table was too open for those around him. The truth is the same today. I guess what I, wanted to, what I wanted to invite us into this morning is to bring, as best we can, our, um, bring our whole selves this morning to the table. And as, and as much as we can, bring our, the parts of us that we're most would love to see hidden. Imagine those dirty first century feet. And yet that's the exact place that Jesus knelt down to and got in the face of and did something about it. This morning, can we come to the table and can we come with a belief and an understanding that Jesus is wanting to get down into the face of our of the 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 most the deepest parts of us the dirtiest parts of us so to speak as it were the parts that we'd most not want anyone to see especially Jesus and know that this morning those are the places he wants to come into he wants to touch and he wants to clean and he wants to set you free from. Like what if this morning, even though this might be the, if it's the first time you do it, wonderful. But if it's, if it's you can't remember how many times you've come to this table. What if this morning the invitation is that you're coming to the table in a way to knowing that Jesus is going to meet you at that table. And he's not going to meet the best and the brightest, the prettiest and the most proud of you that you are. But he's going to meet you in the, the darkest places. And he's going to do something about that this morning. Why don't we stand? And in the nature, I guess, and in the spirit of our hospitality, I was going to get this. Do we have maybe some music that we could put on? But what I'd like for us to do this morning is um, is just take the next, you know, what, ten minutes um, for you to the, come to the table. And I've purposefully not filled the cups. And what I'd like for us to do is a symbolic um, act of of hospitality. Is I want each of you to fill a cup. For someone else, and then you can get your um, your bread because let's not touch each other's bread. Um, and as you're filling someone else's cup, I'd like you—you don't have to even say it to them—is as you're pouring in the cup, I want you to pray blessing on that cup and encounter for the person who's going to drink it. 
that Jesus would meet them in the very place that they most need him to meet. Um, the bread and the cup, the symbols that remind us over and over and over again of who you are and what you like. The life that you, you have for each and every one of us. The example that you've set before us. God, I pray that in, in the eating of the bread and drinking of this cup today, we would once again be encountered by your love. That you would, as you did to those disciples in that room, go to the very dirtiest parts of us. The parts that we're most embarrassed about. And you would, you would heal us. That we would not be defined by those things, but we would be defined by who you are and what you've done in us and through us. Jesus, I ask that today you would set us free from the things that we're burdened by. That you would encounter us in a powerful way this morning. That we would leave today having encountered you and will never be the same again. Jesus, we thank you for your love which was poured out for us. A love that continues to be poured out to the world around us. And Jesus, we pray now for, for the world, for our workplaces, for our schools, for our, our communities, for our neighbors those who are crying out without even knowing the words that they're saying for the more that is you. For a world that has tried so many things and is still hungry. A world that's tried drinking so many things and is still just so parched and thirsty. And I pray that you would use us to be the hospitable people that serve the food that, that they need, that serve the, the drink that they need, that will satisfy the very longings of their hearts. That you would again invite us to having big open tables where all are welcome with no expectation of, of, 
of having it turned back on us as well. But generous, loving, just like you. Amen. Wonderful. Well, we are.